even. Like some of my clients haven't been 100% sure what they want. They feel lost. And that's what I was feeling, lost, uncertain of where I'm going to go. What am I going to do? Who am I? You know, and having maybe some little nuggets of ideas, but feeling too small to do it. Hello, my dear friend, and welcome back to the Happy on the Inside podcast. I have a very fascinating guest for you today. Her name is Anita Adams. I had the pleasure of meeting Anita about two years ago at the podcasting event. And what struck me most about Anita Adams was not just her warm smile and a kind spirit, but her remarkable inner peace, unwavering self-trust, and her absolute zest for life. Anita is a spiritual entrepreneur and award-winning leader who spent nearly two decades leading a national nonprofit before finding the courage to listen to her inner wisdom and recreate the life of her dreams. Today, she is on a mission to guide others to connect with their higher selves, unlocking their true potential and leading lives filled with meaning, well-being, and joy. When she's not coaching, recording, or writing, you will find Anita exploring the world with her husband, who is also her best friend and a partner in crime of 36 years. If you are seeking transformation and a deeper connection to your true self, Pay attention to Anita Adams. She is a force of positivity, a guide to a more meaningful life, and a testament to what's possible when you listen to your inner wisdom. Please welcome the incredible spiritual entrepreneur, speaker, joyful journey podcast host, and an author of Whispers of the Soul, Anita Adams. Anita, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Happy on the Inside podcast. It's so wonderful to be here, Anna. Thank you for having me. Anita, what is your secret of maintaining this beautiful and deep and meaningful and loving relationship with your husband, who is also your best friend and a partner in crime for 36 years? Thanks for asking that, Anna. It's, you know, it's not, it's not easy to, um, any, any relationship has its challenges, right? And my husband, Tom and I had ours, we went through a really, really tough time about 15 years ago. And what I realized is that we needed to invest time together um, to, to nurture the enjoyment of being together and doing things together what happened is we went we started going two separate ways and i got so focused on the success of building my business Mm -hmm. and i was having a lot of success with this business and it was an exciting business Mm -hmm. because i was in the film industry and i was traveling at film festivals around the world and it was glamorous and and really exciting also raising two children and so i put all my energy into my business and my children and didn't put a lot of energy into my relationship with my husband and my husband pardon me he likewise was really focused on his work and um and didn't put the energy into us and we just about our marriage just about collapsed until we 
we realized that we really needed to reevaluate and communicate. We needed to communicate what it was that we wanted from each other. And it's so interesting, you know, and, and perhaps you've experienced this, and I'm sure other listeners have too, the, the more you avoid having the, the difficult conversations, the harder it is to have those conversations. And that's where we had gotten, we, would, had, we had avoided really sharing what it was that we wanted from the other partner and this void um, came between us. And fortunately we woke up, we woke up in time and then we started having those difficult conversations because we knew we wanted each other in our lives. And it took years, <laughs> it took, mm. took years to repair, to repair. Um, but that the work that we both did going inward, really both of us looking inward and seeing how we are not contributing, um, or pardon me, how we are contributing to the problem ourselves, mm -hmm. instead of pointing to the other person saying, you're the one that made the problem. And we truthfully, that's what we used to do. Mm -hmm. We used to think it was the other person that was the problem. Mm -hmm. And until we stopped and looked at what we were doing to make us not work, um, to contribute to the challenges um, until that time, um, things were just not good. But once we started to look in inward, um, that's when things started to change. And we realized, and I've already said this, we realized we needed to make us a priority and find things that we wanted to do together. We wanted to be a team and enjoy life together. And that's when we started to do more things together. We started planning trips. We started bike riding and hiking together and kayaking together and just finding these things that we wanted to do together. And I think that's where... I think that's where your joy really comes from is having a partner that you can do things with that you love doing together. That's a, such a, such a powerful story and mm. such, such a powerful advice as well. The communication is a key and also prioritize each other because what I've realized, I, we've been traveling with my husband like nonstop for two and a bit years now and we literally spent 24-7 together. Yeah. But before I was working, he was working, that's what you were talking about. And we kind of were growing apart. But now when we when we stuck together, we really have to learn how to <laughs> be in the same environment together. And the communication was one of the biggest uh, challenges in our relationship to tell yeah. really your partner to what do you want from him yeah you, you can't leave it to guesswork right mm -hmm. you know and, and that was my mistake um and my husband's mistake we were guessing what the other person wanted and my biggest thing and i think uh, maybe i'm stereotyping here but i think women do this where they want their husbands to know what they are thinking and yeah. they're you know projecting this mental energy it's just like can you please clean up the kitchen but instead of actually asking that you slam cupboards and bang pots you know that's the way i behaved for a long time and you know now um i don't get frustrated if my husband doesn't pick up on my mental telepathy i just i ask 
can you please clean the kitchen? And he's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> just doesn't, doesn't even, you know, compute that that's something that I wanted, even though we've been together for like, what, 35, 36 years uh-huh. now. It's just like, yeah, I have to ask. And I've gotten okay with asking for what I need instead of thinking my husband, if he really loved me, he should know what I need. That's just <laughs> bullshit. You know, ask for what you need. Ask for what you want. Can't you read my mind? (laughs) Exactly. And you know, Anita, just uh, following you on social media, which is really amazing, the places you go, you Mm. kind of understand that you need a partner to share those kind of experiences with him. Because I can see so many people, uh, just due to the work I do, so many people are struggling to find their ideal man or ideal woman that's really on the same level with you. When you hear those stories, you realize how lucky I am actually to have a partner. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Um, I think it's um, to, to a point. I don't think you necessarily need to have a partner to experience all these things that we experience. And life is richer when you can share it with somebody. And it's also easier, you know, it's easier to travel when you have a partner that um, provides that that mm-hmm. comfort when things get uncomfortable because traveling in foreign countries is can be extremely uncomfortable. And if you can do that with somebody you trust, it, it creates a little, a little mini micro safety net. So I think you're right. We are deeply blessed that we have partners that um, enable that for us. And then my hat's off to all the, the women, particularly women um, who travel um, solo that are out in the world doing the things you and I do without a partner. That takes, that takes tremendous courage. And um, yeah, my hat's off to all those women. And I'm deeply blessed that I've got a partner that wants to do these things with me. Absolutely. Anita, you, you are traveling the world. Like, I know you settled down just for a bit, probably. Just speaking from my own experience as well, traveling can be really joyful and really challenging. And my my deepest uh, fears or anxiety before we started to travel were, where are we going to go? Where are we going to live? We don't speak a foreign language. How are we going to survive? So, and... And those kind of things can really hold you back. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with those kind of things where you go to a foreign country, you don't know anything or you don't know anyone? How do you thrive in those environments? I love it. Um, so it doesn't it doesn't actually stress me out in that that way. I I really love stepping into new rich experiences. Um, I find it exhilarating. And yeah, it, it can be frustrating and scary at, at times. Scary is not the right word. It can be intimidating mm-hmm. at times, especially when you're trying to communicate something and you, you don't have a, the grasp of the language. Um, and yet I find that people, my experiences with people around the world 
by and large have been extremely positive and the kindness of strangers it always gets me the kindness of strangers you know there's mm -hmm. we were one little example we were um trekking through the swiss alps um a number of years ago and um my the shoe the sole on the bottom of my husband's shoes um broke off and so we're just, you know we're in the middle of the mountains and this solo hiker um we came across and he's like hey what what size feet do you have and tom my husband told him and he's like i've got a spare sh pair of shoes and he just gave them his and then he carried on and i'm like wow you know like that's just awesome it's just awesome and we've had experiences like that all over the world where people are just generous and kind mm -hmm. and and they want to help you you know mm -hmm. even if they don't speak the language and you so long as you try you know like if you don't if you don't show up you know demanding to, that the other person speaks english mm -hmm. i you, you get kindness in response and people want to really help so that has been my experience anyways um and in preparation for any unknown, like for me, like the, the stepping into the unknown, it's something I, I tend to talk a lot about. Mm -hmm. I invest time with myself in nature to help ease the anxiety. So um, I'm, you know, we, we became nomads about three years ago and got rid of all of our possessions. And so it, I feel like we're constantly stepping into the unknown. And there, you know, it, it can be, a little unnerving when you're you're not even certain where you're going to be living you know tomorrow or next week yeah. or whatever um and so if that if i feel overwhelmed i go for a walk in nature let me let me rephrase that i try to go for a walk in nature every single day to prevent me from getting to that state of anxiety because that has been my experience that when i'm anxious i can't think straight i get really um I get nervous about everything. I'm uptight. But if I am consistent with the practice of nurturing myself, my soul, by going for walks in nature, um, I don't get there. I don't get to that that state of anxiety. Mm. And so, you know, I find that has been um, instrumental in helping me remain um, focused and calm and in that the state of of inner peace as we we move through the world. I know you have an amazing story of how you learn about going to the nature and really reconnecting with yourself. Would you share this story? I know it happened kind of recently during COVID-19. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you for asking. It's um, a very pivotal time in my life. I mentioned earlier that I had a, a business in the um, film industry. It was uh, promoting Canadian film and talent. And it's something that I, I built from the ground up um, in 2001. So I, you know, I've been working on that business um, for a very long time and I was very proud of it. And it gave me it gave me a sense of personal identity, right? Like I felt like I had a purpose. And then COVID hit and all of our, our partners, all of our funders, all of our, our sponsors, everybody literally overnight pulled out, pulled out. And I was going deeper and deeper into my um, line of credit. I had a staff across the country that I was responsible for and the anxiety hit me big. It hit me so hard. I've never, I've never 
felt this kind of anxiety. And it wasn't just about losing a paycheck. It wasn't just about um, paying my, my staff. All of that was important and, and stressful. The big thing for me was that I was really losing my sense of identity and my, yeah. my yeah. purpose. And it made me, I felt so small and insignificant and so freaked out. And I, I kept asking anybody who would listen, what, what am I supposed to do? And one day I brought that question to my, my business uh, coach and she asked me in return, she's like, Anita, well, what do you typically do when you're feeling stressed? And I'm like, well, I usually go for a walk in, in, the na in nature, in the woods, I, that usually calms me down. She's like, perfect, <laughs> here's what you're gonna do. Every day for the next 30 days, you are gonna go for a walk in the woods. And I'm like, what, I, I can't do that. And I really pushed back because in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, what kind of business coach gives her client this advice, this is like nature therapy, not not business coaching. And I, I needed to know what to do to fix my business. And I just didn't feel like I had time to go in, in for a walk. I wanted to know, what can I do? You know, give me the list of things I can do to fix this. And she's like, no, go, go for a walk every day, commit to this. And she managed to get a commitment out of me. And the only way I could figure out how to make this work in my, my schedule was if I would get up at the crack of dawn and slip out of the house before anybody else was up and um that's what i did so i went down to this um and at the time i was living in north vancouver and um western canada and uh the forest was practically my backyard and so i would slip out and stomp down to the creek and as i'm marching down there i was demanding of god the universe the squirrels what am i supposed to do every single day that was like my mantra and i was kind of like marching down the creek what am i supposed to do you know and i was trying to figure it out and slowly over the course of a few weeks i started to calm down i started to connect with my environment and notice my the beauty that surrounded me and and how the light was coming in through the trees and the sounds of the birds and the and the creek and the wind on my face and all of this i was just feeling really connected with this beautiful environment and i was falling in love with my environment and through this calmer place this sense of connection with my environment and this feeling of love for all that's around I asked my question again, what am I supposed to do? And this time I got an answer. <laughs> and it was, um, it was my voice that I'm hearing bubbling up from within, but it was like an older, wiser version of me. And she simply asked, what do you want to do? And I'm like, what, what do you mean? What do I want to do? You know, and, I, and we've all had arguments with ourselves, right? You know, and this is what was going on, but it, it was just so, so different. And I, the response was like, no, Anita, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. Yes, you do. And that stumped me. And I, did, I, I was just, I literally stumped. And later that day, I found myself um, at the bookstore at the back corner in the spirituality section, clearly still looking for somebody or something to tell me what to do. 
And I found this one book, it caught my eye. It was uh, Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. And I, I pulled it off the shelf, I flipped it open. And there was this one, one line that just lapped off the page and it said, frustration and anxiety come from not listening to the soul. Frustration and anxiety come from not listening to the soul. And I realized I'm not listening. I'm not listening to my soul. And I've been there before. I, you know, you started this conversation asking about my relationship with my husband. There was a time I wasn't listening to what I knew I needed to do or the person I needed to be, the person I, I wanted to be. I wasn't listening to that because I was so wrapped up in what was happening in my business world and the validation I was getting from, you know, people filmmakers, directors, producers, the heavy hitters. I liked getting all of that validation and I was turning away from my from my husband. And I realized way back then, like that was 15 plus years ago, that I wasn't listening and I tuned in and I listened then. So I, this is familiar to me. I'm not listening to my soul. Ah, I gotta, I gotta listen again. And I left that bookstore with new resolve. I bought the book, <laughs> I bought the book. Um, and I left that bookstore with this deep, deep desire to figure out how to tune in and listen to my soul. And every day I was back in the forest now with a new question, what do I want? And um, I didn't hear anything for a while, the truth be told, I was, desperate for the answers still. And I was pushing, I was pushing. And eventually um, I did figure it out. I figured out the, the secret, if you will, the code that unlocked that door to the soul. And it really is presence. It's getting connected with your environment and with your higher self. And I find that, um, that's why I'm so passionate about stepping into nature. For me, nature, it's a, sacred portal to your highest self. It helps you unplug from the busyness of the world. It helps you unplug from all the noise and the chatter and the shoulds of, you know, everybody's telling us who we should be. You know, we're constantly getting that. And we know who we are. We know what we really want. We know what's important to us, but we have to unplug from that to really tune into that part of ourselves. And so when I really leaned into that, when I got present and listened, the answers started, wow, they just started, started to come in. And it was beautiful, Anna. Uh, it was, well, it's, it's interesting. The very first um, whisper, if you will, that I got, um, when I started asking, what do I really want? It was that I wanted to close my business. And I reeled from that as well. What? <laughs> no, I want to save my business. Don't I? You know, don't I? And I, I had to keep coming back and asking that question again. You know, do I, do I really want to close my business? And as I leaned in and listened to the feeling of that answer being yes, I realized it's true. I actually wanted to close my business. I wanted out of that business years ago. I just didn't have the confidence or the courage 
to step away from it. I didn't know what else I could possibly do. I had been doing this, the, the film promotional agency for 18 years. You know, what else could I possibly do? And I, I just didn't have the confidence in myself to let go of that. So when I leaned in and listened and I got that, that nugget of wisdom, if you will, I found the confidence eventually it took a while like I want I you know it wasn't it wasn't like that um I had a I had to really sit with this and um keep coming back and asking you know is this what I want I made the decision I didn't talk to anybody else until I was 100% firm with this is the right choice for me because I knew I was going to get pushed back from everybody else and mm -hmm. I did I had a lot of people that didn't want me to close that business a lot of people that were you know like what are you are you nuts you can let's mm -hmm. do that are you sure you know and um Tom my husband was the first person I talked to and he 100% he always supports me you know like he he gave me that that support but everybody else was really pushing me to try to find a way to make it work and I'm like no you know, I, this, this is, it's time, it's time for me to, to move on. And then more things started to float in, you know, like I had to figure out, well, what, what now, what do I really want to do now? And the first thing that came to me was um, to teach people how to listen to their inner wisdom that connect with their higher self. And that was very scary. I, I pushed that away for a whole year, Anna, a whole year. I'm like, that is, who am I to do that, right? That's mm -hmm. way too big, that's, that's scary. And um, there were a few moments of curiosity though, where I'm like, well, what would that look like? What would it look like for me to teach people how to tap into inner wisdom? And the very first thing that came was um, to create um, a retreat center where people could come and I can you know, have a, like an institute or a place to, to teach. And again, no, that's just way too big. But what else, what else, what else could I do? And uh, write a book came to me, offer retreats mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and do a podcast. And yeah, I'm like, well, yeah, that's not mine to do. Um, a whole year In a critic? In a critic? Yeah. I'm just not believing in myself, right? You know, like who the 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 inner critic was saying, "Who are you to do that? You're you're no guru. You're you know your your spiritual journey is you know is small compared to you know so many others out there." And I just didn't have the belief in myself um, to do it. And um, and there's another story. I don't I don't know if I should tell it. Too. I feel like I'm just going on and yes, on. Yes, please. Eventually. <laughs> eventually I leaned in and um but it that the leaning in came after spending um my husband and I went on a on a month-long kayaking trip we were one of the whispers to back up uh, one of the whispers was to to get rid of our possessions and turn nomadic mm. and uh and that time I'm like huh that's kind of interesting <laughs> you know it, it kind of fulfilled that that um adventurous side of of me and my husband and so we did we got rid of our possessions and you know it was early 2020 i guess um and uh oh no it was at the end of pardon me end of 2020 when we got um rid of our possessions and uh and turned into a nomadic lifestyle and it was it's been amazing i've i we've seen and experienced so many wonderful things but there was um a summer where we we were between stuff we didn't know where we we're gonna live what we we're gonna do and um i suggested to my husband that we do why don't we 
you know, take a month and kayak up the coast of, of British Columbia. And, uh, and he thought, yeah, that's cool. Let's do that. So, so we did. And uh, it was, you know, three weeks into this epic kayaking trip and it was flat, flat, calm water. It was just this beautiful, beautiful day. And my husband is about, you know, 10 feet behind me. And um, we're just, you know, paddling along peace, ever so peacefully. You can see the, you know, moon um, jellyfish in the water below me and a couple seals off in the distance. And I just was in awe of this incredible space. And I was in awe of myself for having done this. You know, I've never done anything like this. I mean, we've been on kayaking trips before, but nothing like this. And never in a single seat kayak. So that, that was important for me. Um, I've been in doubles before, but never in a single seat kayak um, on a trip. And I'm like, wow, you know, I've, I've done this incredible thing. You know, what else am I telling myself that I can't do? But can really what other limiting beliefs have mm -hmm. i been holding on to and it was in that moment where i heard that voice again and it bubbled up from within strong confident powerful and she simply said it's time and i realized it's time to stop playing small it's time to lean into what i'm here to do and believe in myself we all have that, right? Anna, we yeah. all have this incredible potential and these incredible possibilities for ourselves. And it, we put the limits on. We say, I'm not enough. We say, I can't do that. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not capable enough. I'm not young enough, whatever it is. We put those limits on us and we prevent ourselves from doing and achieving extraordinary things and being extraordinary. We, we are all extraordinary. Extra we are spirit in a human body, you know, and we are capable of so much. And yet we tell ourselves we're not. And that was my moment of I am capable of so much more than what I've given myself hmm. permission to be. And I leaned in and, um, <laughs> and all sorts of, it's so interesting. And I'm sure Anna, you've experienced this too. When you lean into what you feel called to do, or when you lean into your potential, all sorts of synchronicities happen, coincidences, people you meet, the path forward just becomes so much more accessible and clear. And you know what to, you take the next step and the next step and it just, it opens up for you. And that's what happened to me. Like just the continuously connecting with people that open more doors and they would be presented to me and just literally show up unexpected and things would happen. And so when I got back from this trip, um, within a, a few, within a few months, I had, uh, launched my podcast. I had, um, started to host retreats, uh, on beautiful Bowen Island. And, um, I began the writing process for, for my book. Um, and, uh, now, and I've recently completed writing my book and it's, uh, yeah, and I still plan to, I want to host, I want to create my own retreat center. That's next. I have to settle down before that's going to happen. So I don't know when and where I'm going to do that, but that's, that's in the making somewhere in my future for sure. So, 
There you go. That's that's my story of leaning in and listening, um, stepping into nature and how pivotal that has been in my life. And it's all about presence, Anna. It's all about just getting present to who you really are and yeah. tuning in and listening. Some people do that through meditation. I find it easier to do it by walking in nature, mm-hmm. which is a, a which is a, a walking meditation, really. Exactly. You know, um, I have so many comments on what you've shared right now. It's so powerful, Anita. <laughs> when you were talking, when you were describing your <clears throat> journey on uh, this uh, beautiful water, I kind of felt this bliss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know what? Uh, you just gave me this idea. Um I'm holding like literally it's a piece of paper, a piece of uh, survey. Like a napkin. Survey. Napkin. <laughs> I found my mom uh, brought these beautiful words and she was saying that until you take responsibilities about your life, there is always chances to step back. And when you commit to something, when you make this decision and when you make the first step towards your journey, the universe, the God is also making the first step towards you. Uh, it's just, it's amazing. I just was sitting yeah. here. That's and, awesome. But I want to ask you, Anita, do you think some of the insecurities or um, self-dabbing and not enoughness came from your childhood? Oh, yeah, for 100%. <laughs> I, yeah, I had, um, uh, yeah, I had a, an emotionally abusive um, stepfather um, who told me I was stupid constantly and would um, mock me um, publicly. Hum- public humiliation mm. was his form of, of trying to control me. Um, so yeah, the, the, I'm not smart enough is, um, a a big, um, Achilles heel that I still, um, it still crops up every once in a while, you know, and I have to, I have to ask myself, is that true? Mm -hmm. You know, like I have to, I have to let go of those old stories by first noticing that it's happening Mm -hmm. and then asking, is that true? No, I'm smart, <laughs> but it's, it's still, you know, it still crops up every once in a while. And yeah. And I have to say, I, I, I have forgiven my stepdad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's an important part of my journey. And I think you and I talked about, you and I did a beautiful podcast on my show about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, um, that's a really important step. I, I realize I have some more self-forgiveness to do though. Mm. So, yeah. How old were you when this abuse has been happening? Um, my stepdad came into my life at four when I was four years old. Um, and uh, it, it, I, one of my childhood memories uh, was um, from that age. I won't get into the, the, the story behind that. I just, that's when it started. It was at four and um, it was probably at its worst or at its peak in my early um, teens, um, you know, from 13 to, well, all the way through my teens. And then I left at 19. And uh, the yeah. reason I'm asking Anita, because I have a question for you. If mm-hmm. you, I want you to imagine you have an opportunity to go back to your 13 years old Anita. Mm. What would you tell her now? 
I would tell her that she is enough, that she's brilliant, that she doesn't need the approval of everybody else, that she's beautiful. I thought I was really ugly. Yeah, I used to look in the mirror and cry. And I wasn't, I look at pictures now back at when I was young, I'm like, wow, you're you're a really good looking young lady. But I did not think so. I did not have the confidence. So I would, I would hug her, hug her, and um, tell her she's incredible. Mm-hmm. Such a beautiful words. Do you think the situation holded you back from become a model? I know about your secret. You do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah yeah I had a modeling career for um uh some time and uh I think I was really seeking validation mm. you know I wanted I wanted validation big time which is also what uh caused a lot of the problems with my my marriage right like mm-hmm. I was getting the validation from from my work but from the these highly successful um, creative filmmakers and producers and that, uh, yeah, I was always, always seeking validation because I didn't get it from, from my childhood, you know, mm-hmm. not the way I wanted it from, yeah, daddy issues for sure. <laughs> oh. Only if yeah. parents knew how it's going to impact our life in the future when we are adults. Anita, I want to ask you another question. If you willing to share 100 percent. who was your most challenging client and how did you help him or her Hmm. my most challenging client maybe i've been really blessed because it the clients that i have worked with have been they're one one they're all really keen i think that's I haven't had anybody that's not wanting to do the work. And I know from um, experience with family who I want to coach um, that, you know, they don't want to do, they don't want to do the inner work. And the people that I've worked with, they, they all want to do the work. And I find that so exciting and exhilarating because I see the transformation happen, happening with them. And what, what, what that transformation is, is going from, it's basically what I went through where I didn't believe in myself mm. and had an idea of something that I wanted to create for my life. And, or not even, like some of my clients haven't been 100% sure what they want. They feel lost. And that's what I was feeling, lost, mm-hmm. uncertain of where I'm going to go. What am I going to do? Who am I? You know, and having maybe some little nuggets of ideas, but feeling too small to do it. And then seeing my clients step into the belief of who they are and what they're capable of is so incredibly rewarding. Um, they've all done the work, though. And you have to be willing to go into that that darker space often, you know, to identify what is the fear that is is holding you is holding you back, you know. And then working through working through the process of of 
letting go of the fear. It's actually more, the truth is you're not letting go necessarily of the fear. You're letting go of the hold on the fear. Like we hold on, we click, 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 um, Mm -hmm. cling to fear, you know, like we grab onto it and we just don't know how to move past it. And when you learn the process of moving through fear, you build confidence and you, and then the fear starts to, um, to disappear, to be dismantled. So I like witnessing that, witnessing my clients um, moving through their fear and stepping into their greatness. And, um, and, and it's, we're all capable of that, right? We're all capable of that. So, and some, some fears, if they're rooted in deep trauma, mm-hmm. need more work, you know? Yeah. And there's, you know, some, some clients you you have to, some clients need to move towards therapy, mm-hmm. you know, um, or hypnotherapist um, like yourself to help break through because mm-hmm. um, they don't even understand necessarily the root of the, the, mm-hmm. the, the pain and the trauma. Um, so I like to, if I need to, I will, um, redirect people to work with somebody like yourself, Anna, um, and then have them come back and, um, cause my, the work I do is about moving, moving forward. Yeah. It's about the future. It's not yeah. about the past. Mm-hmm. Um, we can identify what are the barriers and then we can move and then we move forward. But if the barrier is so big that we have to dig in deep into the past, then, then I refer people to um, a, a therapist to, to do that kind of work. Mm-hmm. I know you are sharing three uh, guiding principles for finding your inner wisdom. Would you happy to share those principles? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking. It's very simple. Um, it's um, the three guiding principles are look, listen, learn. And so the looking is it's looking inward. And that's all really it's about understanding who you are, what you want and why it matters. Who am I? What do I really want? And why is that important to me? You know, so that's the inward looking journey. And it's an exciting journey. It can take you to dark places. And it's it's an, a beautifully illuminating journey as you understand and get to know who you are. And I believe walking in nature again plays a, a, a crucial role or can play a big role in that. Um, guiding principle two is listen. That's once you once you connect with your your higher self. That's my my word for that inner wisdom. Um, some people call it God. I do too. Actually, I, I think it's my soul, and my soul is connected to God. Um, there's all sorts of different names and words for that part of of yourself that you're connecting to. So whatever words comfortable for you. And then the listening is um, tuning in to to hear um, that that voice, you know, and and listen to the guidance that it that it has to offer. And we know, as I said earlier, we know who we are. We know what we really want. When we take the time to to tune in and, and listen, we will be guided to the best version of ourselves and the greatest version of our life. But it takes time to um, really listen, to find that guidance and tune in and follow and have the trust to, in following that, um, that inner voice of wisdom. And the third is, is to learn. And that's, that's multifaceted. I mean, it's uh, the simple things of learning, like tangible skills of, you know, what, like the things you might want to put on a resume that will help you become that best version of you. And it's, 
the the intangible as well learning to trust learning to surrender learning to let go of of old stories so you can move into into the present and most importantly it's learning to love um this is fundamental love of self is the the foundation to creating a life that is aligned with your highest self to creating a life that is going to enable you to tap into the most beautiful um, version of who you are and that starts by loving yourself deeply so and it, it I think we can all learn to love ourselves more so that's um that's a big part of it and you know, the work you do in the, the the forgiveness piece is huge in that learning to love yourself deeply yeah forgiveness of yourself as well and yeah people around you Anita, I have so many questions for you, but I, I'm aware of the time. Um, I want to go back to your book, The uh, Whispers of the Soul. Who is this book for? This book is for anyone who is feeling lost, um, uncertain about the direction to take in their life. They're looking for some change. They know there's something bigger out there for them. And they're perhaps fearful of how to move forward or don't know how to move forward. So it's about um, it's a lot of what we talked about here. You know, it's um, I, I teach something called the wisdom way. And that are the three guiding principles to um, create a, a life that is aligned with your highest self. And I offer offer guidance on how to do that and i share a lot of personal stories um, throughout the the journey now amazing so this book is uh, coming live in mid-february this year so yeah. keep an eye guys on amazon and also on anita's website you would advertise it on your website right Absolutely. Yeah. And my and website is joyfulinspiredliving.com. So you can uh, head over there, um, find out about all the different things that I, I do. And, and I offer a lot of, lot of free stuff um, to help people on their journey uh, as well. So, If people would love to get in contact with you, Anita, what would be the best way? Uh, they can email me at anita at joyfulinspiredliving.com. Uh, my contact information is all on my website. So mm -hmm. best to go there, joyfulinspiredliving.com. Okay, perfect. Anita, before we go, do you have any concluding thoughts? Yeah, um, I, want to, I want to encourage people to connect with nature for a number of reasons. One, it helps you find that grounding, the clarity of mind. It helps you fall in love with your environment, which helps you love yourself more deeply as well. But we also protect what we love. And if you fall in love with your natural environment, we'll, we'll protect our natural environment. And I wanna see more of that happening in the world. So I encourage people to get out into nature, you know, like 10, 15, 20 minutes a day, you know, just connect with your natural environment and you will be amazed of the benefits that will bring to you. Perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, Anita Adams.